Hey guys, welcome back to the Namaste podcast, a podcast dedicated to uplifting the soul, discovering connections between spirituality, mindset, and wealth. I'm your host, Melissa Melody, and I hope that you're having the most magical week so far. I hope that you are slaying. I hope that you be attacking those goals. I know I am. It has been a long journey these last, I guess, I guess it's been like a month and a half, actually. It hasn't even been two months, but it's been a pretty long journey for myself, and I will tell you why. So I have been working on two very awesome, amazing audiobooks for Audible, and it's a lot of work for anyone that is glamorizing being an audiobook reader you got to start talking about how much work it is because all I see are all these YouTubers and TikTokers putting out videos about, oh, you can make money fast and it's quick and easy and, you know, doesn't require much energy. No, honey, it requires a lot of energy. (laughs) I have been working nonstop day in and out, not even joking. I probably have had maybe a couple days off in, in total, probably two days off, two days worth of hours in total is what I mean, um, in the last month and a half, which is crazy. <laughs> it, that's crazy. Um, I plan on taking a long vacation, probably about two weeks once these are done, <laughs> but they're going to be worth it because they are fantastic stories. One is about getting into a creative headspace and the other is about a woman whom cured her son of autism. It is so interesting. So I've been having a blast reading them and, you know, producing them, but (laughs) I am excited to be done. And that's also why I've been slacking on this podcast and also my YouTube content, which makes me slightly sad because I've been on such a roll for a while now. But you know what? When you fall off the horse, you got to just get back on and start riding along. (laughs) I am losing it. I'm really tired. Okay. All right, let's get to this episode because I have been dying, like not even exaggeration. I've been so excited to share this episode because I think I love this man. (laughs) His name is Blaine Langberg. First off, I did not expect us to bond like we did. He has the best personality, such a fun person, also so talented. He wrote a book called Journey of a Jubu and I read it and... I I read it and then we did this episode and it was just, it was so fun to read. And then it was just so fun to talk to him that I've just been really excited to share this episode with you guys because I think our bond really screams through the episode. Just listening to it back, I'm like, wow, how cool that I get to have this podcast and connect to people that I otherwise would never have had a chance to meet in my life. He is just someone that I don't think our paths would have crossed if it wasn't for this podcast. And after doing this episode, I was put into this state of gratitude with this podcast. And I was just so 
happy and I just had a moment thinking of, wow, how wonderful this is that I've been able to connect to people of all walks of life that are just so interesting and just such cool people. And this guy is one of them. I am just so thankful for this podcast for connecting me to Blaine because truly we had such a wonderful talk. And I honestly, I want to go to Connecticut so we can hang out and eat some peach rings together. (laughs) That would be awesome. But anyways, this is a very special episode. I've been very excited to share it with you and I finally have a moment to breathe. So I am editing it and sharing it with you all. I'm so, so excited. I hope you enjoy it. Blaine is so interesting. He has climbed a mountain. Yes, he climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. What? That's a story there. Like there's just so much behind this man that you guys are going to learn about and Just stay tuned for a fun episode. So without further ado, here is my episode with Blaine Langberg. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Namaste podcast, a podcast dedicated to uplifting the soul, discovering connections between spirituality, mindset, and wealth. I'm your host, Melissa Malati, and today on the show, I have a guest that has truly lived life, it seems. He's a Harvard-trained orthodontist who enjoys writing, performing performing stand-up comedy, and climbing mountains in his spare time. <laughs> his name is Blaine Lamberg, and how are you doing today, Blaine? <laughs> I'm doing great, Melissa. Thank you for that yeah. kind of introduction. Oh, you're welcome. And in the last year, Blaine actually published a novel called Journey of a Jubu, How a Neurotic Jew (laughs) Found His Inner Boo. Every single time I have talked about your book in the last couple of weeks and read the title, people have laughed. Have you had that uh, reaction to it? (laughs) I have. Yeah. Well, first it's like, what is a Jew boo? I have to explain. It's a Jewish Buddhist. And I, I, it was funny after I did the title, I had a, almost a little regret. Like, I don't want people to think it's a purely religious book or you have to be Jewish or you have to be Buddhist to like it. Yeah. Um, but I, I love the alliteration and um, I went with it. Cause as you know, I feel like I pitch it as if you're a seeker with a sense of humor or the other pitches Seinfeld meets the Celestine prophecy. So just I- I loved that. You had me when you pitched me that. I was like, wait, what? I have the Celestine Prophecy actually right beside me and I haven't yet read it. But oh. since your ca- your character Adam was reading it in the book, I went, you know what? I want to read this and <laughs> I have to read it. I've been holding on to it for a million years now. That's graduation. But in any case, um, I have so many questions. I, you know, not often do people send me their book and I read it like fully. Sometimes I have to skim it, but I read your book fully and I loved it. And I have so many questions. So before we jump into it, I would love if you could maybe just tell everyone a little bit about your book, perhaps some inspiration behind it, maybe your spiritual journey, I'm assuming that led you to the book. So take it away. (laughs) Oh boy, that's the dreaded, tell me about yourself interview question, right? I I knew it. I knew you were going to ask. It was Um, coming. So (laughs) I would say my book is sort of components, just like my life. Um, So I've always been, um, I feel like I've straddled a lot of different worlds in my life. So a good example would be in college, I was actually a math major and an English minor. So it's a really weird combination, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You think it would be, but in my mind, it made sense because I love problem solving and I love a great story. In the book, there's a lot of pop culture references. 
um, which is really uh, due to my addiction to TV when I was growing up. And this is pre-Netflix, so I kind of feel like I was the forefounder of binging, uh, binge watching. And um, so I, you know, love pop culture and I, um, I'm also a student. So first and foremost, like in college, as I said, I was a math major. I love problem solving. And I look at the world from a mechanical point of view. And I decided I would be a dentist, which combined a lot of my, it wasn't like I was saying born to be a dentist, but I found it, it incorporated, you know, problem solving skills, one-on-one -on -one, uh, psychological aspect of, of being with patients and um, running a business. So I, um, and I love schooling. So it was more studying after college and um, went to Harvard for dental school and then stayed for my orthodontic specialty. But during college uh, and more dental school with the stress, I began to have like a nervous twitch. And, um, and also I felt a, like melancholiness kind of throughout my life. And I was like, what is going on? And I was really just into my studies and, and really doing a ton of, you know, obviously getting by with school and with patients. I would work till late hours of the night. And, um, you know, I finished that part of my life. My first job was literally when I was um, almost 30, right? Like 28, 29, I graduated from my orthodontic residency. And I had so much free time on my hands. And my wife would go to bed semi-early. And I mean, I was used to staying up to 12 or one o'clock in the morning um, with you know lab work, with um, prepping for my patients the next day, case presentations that we would have to give. Um, and I thought, geez, what, what can I do to occupy my time? So I resorted to my old habits, watched a lot of movies and TV, again, pop culture obsessed. But then I thought, you know what? I'm sick of um, consuming stories. I want to make a story. So I actually wrote two screenplays just at night. I, you know, these ideas were coming to me and uh, nothing happened with the screenplays. I still have them and it's sort of a dream of mine, but I thought, you know what, let me control a story that I don't need to get made into a movie. And I thought, God, I'm going through some weird stuff myself. You know, again, the scientist, I'm totally used to the Western medicine. But starting my practice, uh, beginning a family with my wife, and I was just feeling uneasiness, you know, like almost my heart was racing at night. I'm like, am I really having a heart attack at like 35? What the heck's going on? <laughs> so, you know, I did the whole thing that you're supposed to do, um, trained in Western medicine, like did stress tests, you know, um, went to the doctor, things were fine. And I'm like, and then same with my Twitch. I, I like didn't have a brain tumor, which I thought I had. And I'm like, okay, you know what? Maybe there's more than Western medicine. I really feel like, why is my mind separate from my body? Like, why is my body not responding? And I thought, well, maybe my head's not in the right place. And strangely enough, I did this. Um, I was just Googling people to, to help me. And I saw a hypnotherapist and they were like, Know, reduce the stress of your life and for some reason it really resonated so from that I, I it was uh I don't know if you've ever done hypnotherapy it was like amazing because I really uncovered the subconscious mind and the fact that you know there's a lot that the subconscious mind has no timeline so I and it was weird because I know I didn't have a traumatic past or anything but it uncovered little things that you misinterpret as a kid 
And then I had really cool books to read. I'm like you. I was listening to a lot of your podcasts um, in preparation, and I loved it. I, I've learned a lot from you. And, um, you know, I take notes. I highlight like you. I'm, I'm just a student, I think a lifelong student. And this whole other world opened up of um, the great books I'd love to compare with you. The first book I think that really just changed my mindset was um, called A Many Lives, Many Masters by Brian Weiss. Have you ever read that? I haven't. I'm going to put that on the list. Yeah. Um, so I love that. It talked about past lives, which I had not, knew nothing about. But there were just certain things that I was like, you know what? This makes, and it's really hard for me to talk about as a scientist. And <laughs> I mean, literally my roommate at Harvard um, is the head of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine for the coronavirus. Yeah, he's amazing. Brilliant wow. mind. But, but it'd be hard for me to speak about to Dan. I mean, he's a hardcore scientist. So I, uh, I kind of did this in secret and read about, you know, and I love Many Lives, Many Masters because Brian Weiss is a um, Yale-trained psychiatrist. So for me, he has a lot of street cred because mm -hmm. um, he does a great story about a woman he got under hypnotherapy told him that she was really sorry about his stillborn, like his wife had a, and had a miscarriage, and nobody knew about that but him. It's in the beginning of the book. And it freaked him out because he was, again, Western medicine trained, and he told his wife, and he had recorded the sessions, and he started doing a ton of research, and his book is about that. Um, so I, yeah, and that was my first awakening. So I guess my book selfishly was written for me. Like I wanted to document, you know, it's not an autobiography. I, I like to tell everybody that, but you write what you know. So it's about a neurotic Jewish dentist struggling with, with his anxiety. Um, you know, within a pop culture world. And uh, yeah, sorry if that was a really long winded. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, actually, I was going to ask you, I'm certain that there are certain elements of you that were in the book. And I wanted to ask you the candy obsession slash junk food obsession. Is that all you as well? Okay, that is me. I mean, not, you know, it's like my comedy. It's a, uh, it's an, <laughs> I went ahead and bought myself. Now they're not peach rings, but okay. You certainly have a way of making, <laughs> making your readers want to go and eat junk food in throughout the book. And one of his characters is constantly eating pink peach rings. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I got to go out and get some peach rings or something. Now we didn't have peach rings, but uh, my local corner store had Maynard's. So I thought that will suffice. <laughs> But every single junk food that you listed is all my favorite junk food. So I was like, wow, we have so much in common junk food. It starts there. But also I, I had to laugh when, um, when your character would watch movies and the wife didn't want to join in. Cause I thought, I bet that that's somewhat real. And that's so my case as well, that I have to word it as come on, babe. It's, it's movie night. We'll do it once a week. You know, you can go back to video games, but please just watch a movie with me. I'm lonely. <laughs> so <laughs> I felt like I really related to you on that front. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to ask you that. <laughs> I love the peach rings. That's, yes. that's hilarious. That's awesome. You it is. Um, yeah, I did. I definitely have a, um, you know, <laughs> I wish I knew you should have told me I would have had a peach. We should have planned and ate them together. Oh my gosh. Oh. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, I'm longing for those. Uh, that's 
That so, will be your treat after we finish this. <laughs> I love that. I'm totally getting featured. I love that you're an orthodontist and you're promoting junk food. It makes me happy. <laughs> that's the that's balance. The, that's a balance. Exactly. As long as you brush your teeth after Melissa, I'm okay with it and floss. <laughs> and um, floss. that's the dirty little secret of dentists. I mean, dentists and the staff, we love, and our staffs, we love junk food. If you go to any dentist like break room, Mm-hmm. there's a, usually a lot of candy that's so we, funny we network and visit with dental offices and we always bring like you know the candy the jelly beans yeah it's uh <laughs> it's one of our dirty secrets I think I missed uh, my calling. I should have become a dentist and uh, made friends <laughs> with all the dental people because I don't know anyone that eats junk food like me and I feel very lonely sometimes. So maybe we'll make a day to eat peach rings together someday. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And we'll eat peach rings and stream our favorite uh, sitcom. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because, um, I mean, obviously you're a big fan of Seinfeld. You've mentioned it a bunch of times and, uh, curb your enthusiasm. My dad is, is obsessed. And actually every single year for his birthday, when I was a kid, when DVDs were still a thing, I would buy him a new uh, season of Seinfeld. And I like, was always so excited. Cause I was building up his seasons. He, I mean, he had already watched it all of course at that point, but, um, but yeah, he was such a big Seinfeld fan that it's just such a part of my life as well. So I thought that was kind of cool that you're very into, into Seinfeld, yes. a lot of connections. <laughs> Can I tell you a funny story. The, yes. um, I'll just admit this on the radio. Who cares? The, um, we, you said, and that's the dangerous part about writing. I mean, you know, bits of my life, but then I took other things and just exaggerated them or, or made them up. So one funny thing, well, two actually was, um, a friend of mine read it and he called me up and he was like, Oh my God, Blaine, I didn't know your dad had a stroke and you almost left dental school. I'm like, Dave, that was, that was fictitious. My dad, you know, that was a book thing that was really done to move the plot along. And then the other funny one is I just put it in there as a goof was, um, the wedding dress thing. You know, the cat, the character has a little thing. So that is, you know, if you know my wife, there's no way she's ever, she's going to like get that. (laughs) So the joke is that one of my buddies sort of the, the four horsemen of my life as, um, he told a bunch of us that he was the first one to get married. And he's just like, dudes, you guys, you have to do that. So I made it like a little goof and a fetish of the character. I and see. My wife was like, are you kidding me? After she read it, I'm like, well, you know, people know that it's fiction. <laughs> you know, it's funny though, as I'm reading it, you made me realize something that I don't think I read a lot of books from male perspectives. And I didn't realize realize that about myself. And I know that I think it's because I typically read a lot of self-help books. Like I don't read a lot of fiction. I think the last male perspective was 1984. I read that last year when all this started happening um, (laughs) in the world. But, um, but yeah, I realized that when I was reading this and, and he was having all these fetishes and whatnot, and I went, oh my gosh, like, I swear, I don't know any female friends that have quirks like this. And I thought, you know what, I need to read more perspectives from guys to kind of get into their brains a little bit more. Cause yeah, it was shocking. <laughs> it was That's cool. so cool that you said that. Cause I have to admit that when I wrote it, I mean, you know, maybe this is weird to admit, but like I, I wrote it for myself. And I thought, you know, some of my, my buddies, I mean, obviously as like you, right. I, you're a great storyteller and I feel like mm-hmm. I love a good story and I, I listen to people and some of that dialogue is literally, you know, not verbatim, but based on what my friends and I talk about. And I thought my buddies are going to love it. And the funniest part was 
and I wouldn't say I was a little embarrassed for women to read it, but I was like, I don't know if they're going to get it or like it. And my buddy left it out and he was like, oh, by the way, my wife, uh, Debbie loves it. And I'm like, Andy, I can't believe you let it out. Debbie's reading it. And I was like, oh my God. And this was in a rough draft, but he's like, oh my God, she loves it. And Debbie called me and she goes, this is hilarious to get the perspective of like you and my husband. And, um, that was actually a shock to me. It was really cool to me that women have connected with the story. Now, once in a while, I'll get a thing like, boy, they're really male chauvinists or, you know, you don't depict women well. And I'm like, well, don't shoot the messenger. I mean, I really, and, but I disagree with them because I feel like in a way, Minnie is a hero. That's Adam's wife. Um, oh, yeah. So it's interesting because I, I wasn't, I didn't really know if women would connect or not. And um, yeah, it was really cool that I feel like they have. So I thank you for, yeah. Oh, you're welcome. I didn't think that you depicted the woman in a wrong way at all. Uh, okay. <laughs> I don't know. I, I loved it. And especially the fact that you got me wanting junk foods, <laughs> <laughs> but for many reasons. And okay, so well, I did. Maybe not depicting women well, maybe like the way the guys, you know, acted a little bit. There's a couple of fight scenes. Sure. So maybe they were triggered, the yeah. people that that made those comments. Yeah, I could see that. Certainly. I mean, a lot of people do get triggered by cheating. I'm, I'm assuming that's probably one of the reasons because one of the characters in Blaine's book does end up cheating on his wife. And I and I mean, yeah, fair enough. But you have to be aware of. Oh, did he cut it? Do, do you remember? Oh, with his yeah. friend's wife. No. Oh, OK. Um, oh, yeah. No, you're right. That was his buddy, his buddy, not the main character. But yes, one of the one his of sorry, his buddy. That's what I meant. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to, I didn't oh, mean okay. Adam. No, yeah, I, yeah, I, no. OK, yes, you're right. There is another guy. So not the main character. Right. Yes. Yeah. No, not the main character. Sorry. No, that's okay. I should be uh, more clear when I'm talking. Certainly there are quite a few characters in the book. And so um, <laughs> my bad. But yes, uh, the yes. I could see how someone might have been triggered by his friend and the cheating on the wife part and whatnot. Um, but yes. I mean, it happens. There was a lot of women that were severely triggered by Wolf of Wall Street and it was for that reason, right? So yeah. it's, I don't necessarily think it's to do with depicting um, women incorrectly or in a, in a bad light. I think it just has to do with there are some men out there that are like that. And I think that's good storytelling. You're telling from different people's perspectives. So Thank anyways. You. This episode of the Namaste podcast is sponsored by the Audible app. If you like listening to books in audio format, oh, well then you should redeem my code. Head on over to audibletrial.com slash namaste. I will leave the link in the description box for this podcast episode and you can receive a free audiobook. That's right with the 30-day trial, which of course you can cancel if you don't like it. It's just a trial, very exciting, but you get a free audiobook, so that's pretty awesome. So audibletrial.com slash namaste, and you can uh, go ahead and redeem that and get your free audiobook. All right, let's get back to the episode. Well, in the book, I actually learned, interestingly enough, a lot about Judaism as well as Buddhism, which I, you know what, I think I just didn't, it's one of those things where like, you don't know what you don't know. <laughs> and I didn't know that I didn't know much about Buddhist, Buddhism or Judaism. And I, I learned so much about both of these religions. And I'm curious, I mean, obviously you are Jewish yourself. Um, 
but did you have to do a lot of research to learn about Buddhism or was that something that was already on your mind that you were interested in prior to the book? Um, yeah, so I didn't, it, I did a lot of research, but it was one of these things where I came across it and I'm like, wow, I really relate to it. Huh. And it was the first, because I was born Jewish, right? So I did the bar mitzvah thing. And um, I would, unfortunately, I wouldn't say willingly, like I just sort of was in it. And I didn't, I never really um, embraced religion. And I feel like you feel the same way when I, you know, listen to you. And um, I really feel more of a spirituality connection. So what I mean by that is, and I have nothing against religion per se, but I just feel like if you, you know, read the Bible and obviously um, there's symbolism a lot, but unfortunately, if you read it literally, God's a really like wrathful <laughs> being and I can't get behind that. Mm -hmm. So as I was, um, part of the book is really my thesis that I wanted the Venn diagram of religion, you know, like where all the religions intersect. Mm -hmm. So um, first, that's a little bit of a, again, an exaggeration of a true story in that the character is at Restoration Hardware and sees a book on Buddhism. I think I made that title up. And that was me. I actually was reading it and I'm like, wow, this is really cool. Like I get the fact that this prince wasn't fulfilled. He felt suffering. And I, I really had that thought, which I put in the book, like if a prince with riches and women and, um, and fame and like, you know, celebrity status isn't fulfilled, man, that's rough for the rest of us. <laughs> so I, um, I was like, I want to know more about Buddhism. And the fact that the character was searching, not character, but really Sid Arthur um, was searching for happiness and fulfillment. I'm like, oh my God, I'm going through the same thing, which, you know, most of us do, right? When you start to be aware. So it really started to, um, to interest me and in kind of peeling the layers away of the onion, you know, mm -hmm. learning about meditation and quieting the mind and the body can control the mind. And then if, and then at the same time, like I said, I was going through like the anxiety, you know, which I, I, we still all have, right? But trying to control it, trying to control the irrational thoughts that sometimes pop into, into my head. And um, I thought Buddhism is great because to me, it's not as much a religion as a philosophy of, you know, living in the moment, learning about meditation, learning about, and, and what I love too, is there's more science now behind it, right? Where if you um, meditate, they show like Buddhist monks' brains um, light up different parts of their brains. They get bigger. It changes your heart rate, right? It, and um, oh, wow. a book now I'm reading is called The Biology of Belief um, by Bruce Lipton. Again, more scientific because I feel like my job now is to bridge the science, you know, and the mm -hmm. spirituality because sometimes if you get too much into that world, like it's hard to get, like I listened to your interview on Faye and I was amazed, but there's some part of me that's skeptical, sure. but yet there's another part of me that believes, <laughs> um, right? So, yeah. and then it's hard as a, as a dentist, like as a doctor in my office for TMJ pain, I can't just say it's in your head. Like we have to analyze like what's the root of it. Is it anatomical? Is it, um, is it muscular? Is it psychological, psychosocial, like psychological, environmental, right? Hmm. Um, so I have all these competing, competing <laughs> aspects. Um, but to answer your question, so I did a lot of reading on Buddhism. I've been, there's a Buddhist temple not too far from me, believe it or not. So I, 
I never studied there, but I would visit and walk around. Um, and then I actually took a, then I went the other way and said, geez, I don't know much about Judaism. So I took a class about Kabbalahism, which is, and I didn't realize this, it's the spiritual part of Judaism. So a lot of religions have not just like the book, but sort of a spirituality. And I thought Kabbalahism was really neat because it opened up the idea of the mysticism part, which if you, they actually believe in past lives and different souls in Kabbalah, which I didn't know about. So in a way it intersects Buddhism, which talks about the, you know, past lives and the progression of, of things. So I thought that was really cool that they actually over overlap. Um, ah, very cool. Yeah. Ah, so interesting. Um, I have so many things that I want to touch on that you just said. Um, uh, we'll start with what you were saying about how, um, when you were listening to my episode with Faye and how, yeah, sometimes just the logical side of our brain can't allow us to go there. And I've thought a lot about this because you're, you know, you're a man of science, you, you know, you're quite logical and you know that everything is energy, right? And I'm sure even your scientist friend from Harvard that, you know, helped create the vaccine, it would also probably say that there is a ton of question marks in the world that and a lot of unknowns that we don't know and we haven't figured out yet uh unless you're a part of the secret circle or something <laughs> but <laughs> but you know for the most part there are a lot of things that happen in the world that we don't understand and we don't know and so i think a lot of spiritual people like i want to take the concept of fairies okay because people will talk about fairies in the spiritual community that I'm in and immediate immediately I'm like oh lord <laughs> <laughs> and I would call myself a fairy from like the standpoint of watching a ton of movies in regards to fairies and like how people associate them with like you know being happy and sunshiny and I like to joke that I'm a fairy uh, but <laughs> when people talk about it as being a real thing and, you know, it's only something that we've seen in movies and whatnot. It, it's, it, you can lose a lot of people that are quite logical. But recently I started thinking about it as perhaps fairy is just a word. It's a word to describe a specific energy that these people have come across that they don't understand. And so it, the energy feels like it could be the definition of what people call fairies. So we're going to call them fairies. And I've thought a lot about that. And I think perhaps if we can all look at it from that perspective, we won't get as, I don't know, turned off by certain words, but I definitely think it's because there's associations with the words being from, you know, like Peter Pan, for example, <laughs> you know, from movies and, you know, there's that common saying of, well, that's just in the movies. And so we do sort of see a lot of spiritual ideas in regards to that reasoning. So anyways, um, <laughs> I, I, I like that you're quite logical because I'm, I'm very similar to you in that way that I, um, I, I'm, I would say I'm more spiritual these days because this is what I do 24 seven. But for the most part, when I was first coming into this world and really opening myself up and learning about meditation and different religions and whatnot, I was super skeptical. And, you know, my dad's a programmer. So I think that that's, you know, it comes from him. He's very logical and goes, you know, 
oh melissa <laughs> that's not real oh what's the science melissa show me the facts like he's that kind of person yeah. so anyways um <laughs> so i just found that kind of uh cool that you you have that perspective but you also are quite open to you know the things that you don't know i think that's sort of the best place to be and then when you were talking about well, I, well, I definitely want to look up that book that you were talking about in terms of, uh, I think the book about, um, beliefs, the biology of belief. Yeah. Yes. I want so to look that, into that. Yeah. That's, I've, I love that. Cause it's more of a, again, like a scientific way of showing that, um, cells can change, right? Your energy, your thoughts can actually change cells. They're not static, yes. which is a lot of quantum physics now talks about that, which is getting above and beyond my knowledge base about that, but it's the concept of energy creeping now into science, which I think is great, right, Val? I love that. I'm a big believer in neuro-linguistic programming and rewiring the subconscious mind. And I made a YouTube video about it. Like I'm obsessed with it because it has changed my life. And I know through uh, deciding on specific affirmations and really affirming them every single day, I have seen the results of my life change. And so when I was reading your book, I actually wrote down a quote. Maybe I should just, I have the page. <laughs> it was a specific page. Am I allowed to ask the interviewer an interview question? Absolutely. Go for it. I now, try to, I, yeah. Sorry, I was just going to say, I try to keep my podcast episodes completely open and conversational as opposed to, you know, a strict interview. It yeah. makes it more fun. I don't know. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> Uh, now, have you had past life experience or have you like, what's your belief on that, um, that aspect of energy? Like that you, do you believe? Yeah. Tell me your experience. Yeah, I, I do believe in it. Actually, it is something that I wasn't sure about at first. Um, but I used to have very interesting dreams where I was <laughs> this woman uh, that was, or maybe I was a man, but I'm pretty sure at this point that I was a woman and I was very powerful and I hurt a lot of people with my decisions. And, um, and this dream would come up every so often. And I actually went to someone that was a past life regression specialist and she had like verbatim said exactly that to me. And I went, Okay, perhaps this might be real. <laughs> it was really cool. So I do. And I thought that it was also interesting because something that she had said to me was that I had some lessons from that life. And I, I, I specifically treated women in like not fairly in that life. And so my lesson in this life was to feel the wrath of woman. <laughs> Sounds so funny, but I, it, she, and she was trying to say to me, she's like, but you've learned the lesson. Now you can stop punishing yourself. And it's funny because yes, I had learned that lesson when I was a kid, I was very bullied by, um, by girls and you know, not guys. I actually got along with guys really well. And anyway, so it, it was very interesting when she said that. And I thought, Hmm, okay. All right. This is cool. So that's really my only experience. And another psychic had said that she was convinced that I was a fairy queen. And I thought you're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> what's your experience with that? Well, it's kind of in the book, I have to admit. So that is based okay. again, a little exaggeration, but based on, um, kind of feeling that melancholiness and the twitch carrying that over from another life 
again, it's pretty weird for me to talk about, you know, being with the science background, but um, this is a safe space. Come up in some things, and I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna go with it. It makes me. It made sense to me. It makes me feel better. Not that I don't have to still work on it, but I do feel um, like I've been around. I'm just tired, and uh, <laughs> and yeah. So it's been strange because. Um, but then the books I'm reading talk a lot about that. Like I said, many lives, many masters. I'm like, okay, you know what? This is like a legitimate thing. And I do think it's more of a, um, a Western culture where we've separated ourselves, right? Because if you go to right India or um, the Asian countries, that's just assumed. Yeah. You know, people literally there's documentation. They come out speaking a whole other language, like literally they have carried that over. Um, so I'm trying to expand my mind, keep an open mind, but also have that, that skepticism, right? That's a healthy bit of that. Isn't that the, how they find the Dalai Lama? That yeah, is, there's, there's yeah. some kind of interesting process for anyone listening who doesn't know this story. It's so, so cool. You should Google this after this episode. Um, listen to the whole episode first. Um, but essentially, in order for... Uh, where, where is the Dalai Lama? Is it in Tibet? Tibet, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, so in Tibet, they um, will do a whole screening process for the Dalai Lama and will essentially ask the potential Dalai Lama um, questions that he would only know from his past life. And that's how they find him in his new life. And they did that for the current Dalai Lama. And it's so interesting and cool. So there's something called the Panchen Lama, which is actually the person who chooses the Dalai Lama. So, but it's like a cycle, like the Dalai Lama chooses the Panchen Lama. And then the Panchen Lama is actually the one who has the visions and chooses the next Dalai Lama. Um, But it's very controversial. Yeah, um, I've seen some things on this. The China has actually sort of, hijacked the Panchen Lama. And there, now there's two Panchen Lamas, the one that the Dalai Lama, um, who's, you know, is, is uh, extradited from Tibet because the Chinese want to own it. Um, <laughs> and so they actually made, yeah, it's very political, <laughs> but um, it's Isn't like everything? you said, it's fascinating because it's a, it's a cycle and they're, they're choosing people to reincarnate. Yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating. It's all this stuff is so interesting to me, um, but it is definitely, uh, a, a part of the spiritual world that I have not, like, I haven't gotten too far into it yet. Like, not that I'm not interested. I just, honestly, until this conversation, I haven't really thought about it in a while. <laughs> so it's, yeah. it's something that I think I'm, I'm going to want to read more on. And perhaps I'll read the books that you have suggested. Cause, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting me a lot right now. <laughs> I think you'd be into it. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So I want to read a quote from your book because I found it fascinating. Um, as you can see, I have some post-it notes. <laughs> They're pink, of course. Okay, me too. Yeah. Oh my gosh, stop. Yours are pink as pre- well. I had to prepare. That's funny. Yeah. That's so funny. I love that. I love when that happens. Okay. So this is a part where um, Adam is at the temple. He's at the monastery and the monk says something fascinating to him. Where is it? Um, Oh wait, maybe that's the wrong page. I have so many, so many pages, Blaine. Oh, here we go. Okay. So in this part of the book, 
without giving away too much, um, there's a part in the book where the character Adam gets <laughs> gets a reaction to poison ivy. And he's having a very hard time just, you know, not scratching. And he just is very uncomfortable because obviously he has a horrible rash and his eye is closing. So he talks to the, to the monk uh, in the book and the monk says meditation can help him <laughs> with feeling better from this poison ivy. And, and of course, Adam says, how can meditation get rid of my poison ivy? <laughs> and the monk says, by meditating, you can enrich the mind to be more stable and clear, develop love and compassion and achieve emotional balance. Once the mind is healthy, it will facilitate the body healing itself. In most people, though, this power remains latent, but you can make an effort to develop it through meditation and it will serve you well. So when I was reading that, I thought that to be very, very interesting because like we were talking about the power of the mind and affirmation and, you know, um, there's, there's so much to it, but I am a true believer in the mind being so powerful that it can heal the body. And you know, this is a very interesting topic because of what's happening in the world right now. And so it, it of course, made me think of, you know, viruses and diseases and all kinds of things and um, how people are being bombarded, though, with fear. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's interesting because I recently made my exit from social media. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm on YouTube and occasionally TikTok, not really, but I'm on YouTube still. And I will obviously post this on the audio platforms, but I don't engage in social media anymore. And the reason I did quit, the overall reason besides the millions of reasons that I had was because mm -hmm. of the constant fear being pushed. And I just don't resonate with that. And it's not something I want to engage in. I try to be very conscious with where I give my energy and my attention. And so it's interesting just talking about this. And I, I'm assuming that you feel this way as I do and how the, the mind is quite powerful. And, you know, how can people focus on healing right now if they're constantly being tuned in to all these platforms that are keeping them in a state of fear? Now, have you thought about that at all? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I totally, and actually that's been um, really tough for me because I mean, I want to get the word out with my book, right? Um, and kind of put it on Facebook. And I, I've i never been a social media guy. I mean, I'm 48, so a little bit of my generation, but I um, I did Facebook a little bit. I just didn't have the, the desire or the need, but I got into it. I kind of went the reverse Melissa route because I got into it to promote my book, but I'm like, this is just so tiring. I don't want to spend a lot of time. So yeah, it's a catch 22. It's cool to connect, but um, I see it in my kids, just like on the devices all the time. I hate it. And I'm guilty of it just as, as much as anybody. Um, so I don't want to be hypocritical. My kids will tell you the same thing that I'm on it, but I mean, it really, I try and make an effort to, you know, put it down and, and go on hikes and take my kids out and play, play sports or write, you know, read a book because I agree. Um, I have another book for you to read if you haven't already. Okay. okay? Um, yes. This is again, I call it like a couple of books or just sort of the pillars of, of me learning about this is um, the anatomy of the spirit. Have you read that book or heard about nope. it? I'm excited. Okay. I'm going to read it. So I'll, we'll, we'll chat after I'll give you. So the anatomy of the spirit by Carolyn miss. 
Um, this is one of my early ones, and it talks about, you know, sort of, you know, the personal journey, right? Like what you said with your body um, following your mind. Um, but then she also talks about the collective consciousness and that to me, it's not a coincidence. I mean, of course, scientifically there's a virus, but if you think about it like energetically, right? Um, that, and especially if people are connected, that we're ill as a society, right? Um, and she actually gives some really good examples. At the time she wrote it, HIV was, was you know, um, really becoming more prevalent. So she talks about it in terms of that and sort of the, um, the spiritual symbolism. So she talks about, you know, diseases can have that too within the whole, not just within your body, there's, you know, symbolic meanings of things. Um, so it's to your point that I really do think like we're ill. Um, and that's been the hardest part too. I feel like in my life, kind of like with you, with your boyfriend, you know, or your dad too, like the, my wife, same way. She's not a super spiritual person in a little way. She's a bit more Buddhist than she realizes because she lets things go. But, um, you know, she doesn't believe in like a higher power like I do. And it can always be a little tough talking about God and things like that. But whatever it is, Mother Nature, like, you know, um, a God, just a, a source. She's just like, you're dead and buried. <laughs> and I just, I just know in my heart, I, I mean, I don't have any evidence, but I don't think she's right. Right. But she, you know, she has to learn that she thinks I'm crazy for that. So we have a healthy, um, you know, different perspectives on that. Right. That's good to have though. Right. To, you know, to yeah. open your mind, to challenge you. So I actually have that in my relationship, although I have been planting the seeds for quite some time. And at uh, this point, He's convinced he is psychic and he is though. He's very intuitive. And oh, I've cool. over the years, I've, I've really tried to help him see that. And now he sees it all the time. Um, but he definitely, I would say is more similar to your wife where he's like, he's, he, he challenges everything. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that, that's a lesson I have to learn. You can't, you know, you can't, they have to learn it themselves, right? You have to be patient and right. And not controlling, which is a big lesson I'm working on. Well, even Adam uh, learns learns that in the book, right? Yeah, <laughs> Towards the end, when he's like, "Oh, I can't change many," but <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, everyone has their own path. And um, when I actually was first getting into all this, I had a very hard time with anyone that didn't believe anything that I believed. And it first started with the secret. I was like a hardcore Rhonda Byrne <laughs> lover. I just loved everything to do with the secret. It changed my life. It truly did. And I, I just, I loved it so much. I wanted everyone to feel how I was feeling. And it bothered me when people just, they weren't open to it. Yeah. And <laughs> I was like, why this changed my life? I was severely depressed and now I'm not. Look, you take like, it personally, right? Like, yeah, why aren't you listening to me? Yeah. You think I'm stupid, don't you? Like, that's exact. That was my narrative. I was like, oh, yeah. these, nobody, no one respects my opinion. No. And it's like, no, it's not about that, Melissa. Everyone has their own journeys. So when did you change? When did that light come on? Uh, it took some years. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've been, I'm 30 now, but when I, when I was, so actually I have an interesting story around the secret. Um, I 
discovered the secret because I have a, a friend from high school who's quite famous now. Her name's Nina Dobrev. And she was very into the secret. And that was actually one of the last things she said to me, <laughs> her gift to me was that um, she said that I should read the secret when I was uh, 16. And she said it was changing her life. And she was, you know, starting to book all these, you know, wonderful TV shows and whatnot. And so um, that's, it started when I was 16. So I've, I've, you know, been trying to implement it into my life ever since then. And it really didn't hit home till I was about 19. But anyways, yeah, it's been a long journey. So uh, I think as the years go on, you start to realize, okay, yeah, it's not personal. Also, I did a lot of therapy. So that helps as well, which actually brings me to, I wanted, I wanted to ask you about the hypnotherapy. Um, can you talk about that? Cause I've never had that experience and I don't know. I would love to. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'd be happy to. So the, it's, it's a, a little change of pace in the novel. You kind of don't know it. And it's sort of, as I wrote the book, I was like, okay, I'm just going to kind of go with the flow. Right. It's almost mm -hmm. like the muses were saying, okay, just do it and, and free your mind. So um, it's more towards the end. And yeah, it really did help me. I, um, I've done, I never really was a, I, you know, never saw a therapist growing up or anything. And I just felt like I had to untangle my mind a little bit. Mm. Uh, well, a lot. <laughs> so the hypnotherapy was cool because, um, and I'll do, and it's a bit in the book. Um, I had been to one of those shows, you know, those, ther those hypnotherapy yeah. shows. Cool. And I, and that was, I wrote that in the book. I was with a, a girl who ended up going on stage. And I mean, I, I knew her, so I knew she wasn't a plant. And she was just doing like crazy stuff and she didn't really remember it. And that was in college I went. So it was always in the back of my mind, like there's some really weird stuff that you can't, that I couldn't explain that again, science didn't really have a formula for, right? Or a case controlled study to explain. So um, when I saw that ad, I went to see this woman, Fran, and she ended up being, it was a great match. She was, um, a bit older and again I thought she would do like a watch kind of thing but none of that you really just lay back and what's cool is that you it's just really free association so you have to really trust yourself and she'll ask you questions but what I like about it is because this is the thing I hate about therapy which I've also done is like 45 minute sessions like you're done you're kind of there she literally gave like an hour and a half to two hours and um Whoa. And it was just um, really freeing my mind, like learning about things from the past that, you know, I may have known or and little things too. I'll give you an example. Um, like I was, it came up that um, I've always searched for like a mentor, you know, somebody to kind of help. And I did a lot of book readings and stuff, but never. And I've had a couple of teachers who were who were really good. But sometimes people end up disappointing me or maybe I become too judgmental or skeptical. But it was funny because the seed was when I was in second or third grade, there was a play that we were doing and um, I was chosen. She, the teacher had me be Robin Hood and I was supposed to put on tights. And I'm like, I don't want to like a third grade boy. I was like, I don't want to be different. No boy wears tights. And like I was a really upset little Blaine. And she's like, it'll be fine. No one cares. Like, so she made me do it. And I remember afterwards, 
you know, the third grader, like fifth graders were talking and I overheard them making fun of me, like that boy that wore tights. And that, and I didn't even, you know, at the time I may, it was upset, but it literally stuck with me as an adult, like wow. that I, the, the distrust in the teacher, right? The skepticism, she, in my mind, she had lied to me because it was a traumatic event. So little things like that, that I, you know, that pop up when your mind can become clear. Wow. It's and, so cool. Yeah. It's like you were saying the, the belief system, right? So I had that at a young age, that belief system was sort of intertwined. Um, little things like, like that. I remember also it came up, I had um, a tonsillectomy in second grade, same kind of thing. I, it just sort of like these associations, right? You have to release your feelings. So feelings come up of like anger and resentment. And it was, stu it was, you know, little silly stuff as a kid you don't even realize but I didn't want to have the operation on me and I like kept that kind of fear and I would always have sore throats even into adulthood um wow. even after that and it it's like that was stuck in me right and I had to like let go of the, that feeling so you read a lot about that but as you know you kind of have to process it yourself right nobody can tell you that until you experience it and let go of those feelings and um it sounds easier said than done. Yeah. Oh, it's not easy. That's for <laughs> sure. Cause I've done that obviously in other ways. Like I did, uh, I worked with Renu, our mutual friend who was on uh, the show for everyone listening. I think she was on a couple episodes ago yeah. and um, she does something kind of similar, not hypnotherapy, but it's something similar where she gets to the root of the subconscious beliefs that might be blocking yeah. your way. She helps you figure out those past situations that might have caused turmoil in your life and that was fascinating and so so cool and so much came up for that um but also doing i i've done even traditional therapy like cbt therapy can help you get to that route as well so yes. anyways all this stuff is fascinating and i think after reading this book i, I made a mental note and i thought you know what i want to see if i can try to find a hypnotherapist to come on namaste like that would be cool to yeah. talk to someone about that and uh yeah and if you, if you have any questions i'll <laughs> I can, uh, I can, well, I have to, yeah, it was funny because Fran retired. So I was bummed. And, um, oh. although this is kind of funny right towards the end, um, it was right when Hillary was running against Trump, not to get political at all. Yeah. But we did, we had like, I was shocked with some of her political beliefs. I was like, Oh no, this is ruining my, um, <laughs> my connection with her. And, um, but I have to say Renu is the closest I've been so far because I also that's how we connected through Renu uh -huh. and um, she because I felt like Fran got to your subconscious mind right so um, and Renu does the same thing it's a little different technique but I feel like she connects with your subconscious mind the way that hypnotherapy does so um, so that's really and and actually again doing my background in religious stuff there's a lot of religions that talk about, um, and it's, this is in Kabbalahism too, it talks about like the animal self and the godly self, right? So I think you kind of have to uncover that subconscious mind, like the self that um, wants to sabotage you and mm -hmm. then release it, right? To get to that enlightened part of you. Because I do believe, and this is a lot written to spirituality wise, like we all have God within us. To me, that's what separates religion and spirituality, right? Religion, you're talking to a God, right? Like you're praying to a God, you're asking for things. Whereas in spirituality, 
Like we have God, every single one of us. And again, not to lose people when you talk about the source, but we have that within us, right? Absolutely. And you, we, each of us, and I think there are certain people who became enlightened, right? Like the Buddha or Jesus or Moses, um, Mother Teresa, right? These people had like a inner truth, a higher, as you, you would even write the higher energy, like they saw yes. more of the truth. And I think we're all trying to strive for that, right? Yes, absolutely. Yes. Oh, wow. It's so fun talking to you, Blaine. I've Thank had such you. a fun town. I, I don't want to, I don't want to finish up, but I feel like I, I'm taking up so much of your time. I want to yeah. just yeah. two more things. I want to quickly pull a card for you, but before I do that, I'm going to shuffle while you're talking. I really want to hear about how the heck you came to climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. That's insane so for anyone that's listening that don't know anything about this so mount kilimanjaro is the tallest mountain in africa that is quite the journey and it must have taken a lot of mental and physical strength in order to do that so i would love to hear about that it's fascinating oh yeah thank you for asking um so I, it started out when i turned 40. i always loved to hike and i love the outdoors and nature and a buddy of mine from california I was hiking Mount Whitney. I don't know if that's the highest mountain in the 48 states. So okay. it's actually the highest mountain. It's in California in Lone Pine. So I've heard of it. I was like, you know what? I'm up for a good adventure. Um, again, sort of my midlife crisis. Let's do something just a little out of the ordinary. My Some wife people is, buy a red car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no sports car for me or boat. None of that. I'd rather just go to a mountain. Um, and so I joined them and it was fun. And uh, I have to say, I'll tell you a funny story. We were like three quarters up the mountain. And here I am, this like tall, skinny guy from Connecticut. And one of these like buff California dudes, he was the leader of the expedition. And we did it in one day, which is called an extreme hike. And uh, yeah, it was pretty intense. And he said, um, hey, listen, dude, for a tall, wiry guy from Connecticut, I didn't even think you'd make it this far. You can do this. I'm like, <laughs> I think this is a California pep talk, maybe. Um, so, so I made it fairly, but it was so much fun. And I don't do any mountaineering or anything like that. I'm like a basic hiker, but I love nature. I feel like you get closer to God when you're in nature. Yeah. And right, um, I think you had a, one of your guests had talked about that a lot, like putting your feet in nature right? That was a great interview. Baroon. Baroon yeah, Green. Oh, I love yeah. him. I'm obsessed um, with him. I made a mental note this morning to message him because he's just, he's wonderful. What a, I, what a guy. I, yeah, he's, he was great. So, um, so I do have that connection with nature and I decided for my 45th birthday, since I had done Whitney, what's a hikeable mountain that could be really challenging. And the great thing about Kilimanjaro is it, is it is hikeable. You don't need like skill training, so I found a company to do it with out of the Harvard Alumni Association. Like uh, they couldn't do it with, they sometimes offer trips, but I ended up connecting with this guy, Dean um, uh, Cardinale at Worldwide Trekking. He, shout out to him. He was awesome. So it was a little bit like concierge Kilimanjaro because they set up the tents, you know, and they cook for you, which is really cool. But it's, you need it because you're concentrating on, um, it's, it's, I didn't realize, but it's so hard to breathe because you do it over seven days. Mm -hmm. um, and it really is one of these, I highly recommend it. It's one of these, again, mind over matter kind of things. Like mm -hmm. if you are 
um, you know, committed to it and you train for it and you have that attitude, you can do it. Um, but it was tough. The joke on the thing was Dean was always like downplaying things. He'd be like, okay, guys, there's a little bit of the slope today on the mountain. And it'd be like a 50 degree incline. And he'd be like, okay, guys, it's a little chilly today. You want to bundle up and it'd be like really cold. And then he sat us down and he goes, okay, guys, this is going to be tough. When right at the, the, we were the one day where we would get to the summit. So you start climbing at 12 o'clock midnight. And you, oh. you climb for eight, for six hours and then you get up to see the sunrise. That was the toughest thing I've ever done. It was really oh. intense. Um, yeah, just every, you're gasping for breath, but it, he's like, you guys have to dig deep. Don't do it just for yourselves. Do it for, you know, your family. Like, let's, we're going to do this. Um, but as we, I mean, it was about the journey, right? Because he even said, if you don't make it, that's okay too. Just like enjoy the moment. So I felt there, there was a lot of spiritual stuff going back to like living in the moment. Um, I had never really camped outside since I was little. So that was, <laughs> that was quite an adventure. Um, they brought like tents to poop in, which I was really nervous about at first. So that was good. Um, <laughs> That's cool. And yeah, it was, it was great though. I really felt like it kind of centered me back into, you know, what's important and uh, realizing it's cool to be an orthodontist during the day. It's cool to have the hob, the passion for writing, and then also allow me to do my other, uh, other things, get out there in the world. That's awesome, man. It, that really resonates with me and is fascinating to me. I used to be really obsessed with watching IMAX films, you know, like they had the Mount Everest one. Um, In Toronto, we have this giant dome uh, in our science center. And I used to have like a summer pass when I was a kid. So I'm such a nerd. And I would go and watch these IMAX films and the Mount Everest one and the, well, the, the, space one was my favorite as well but mount everest and the space one uh had like an equal amount of love for me anyways the mount everest one fascinated me because of the fact that they would run out of air and they would have to sit for a long amount of time because the oxygen levels it would be ridiculous and i mean obviously it's mount everest so i'm assuming way bit bigger than kilimanjaro but still pretty crazy. And the fact that you went to Africa, I mean, what a journey. Did your family go with you at all? Or was it just you? It was just me. Yeah. Wow. Rachel, my wife is not a hiker. She's just like, make sure the life insurance policy is paid up. Will <laughs> <you?"> <laughs> Good <laughs> wife. I love her. <laughs> but yeah, so that's not her. Her idea of like a vacation is more of a cruise ship rather than a hike. She's I feel like, like I would love her. She's fun. <laughs> that would be my reaction as well. <laughs> I love that. Wow. Okay. Well, um, and one last thing, actually, thank you so much for sharing that. Cause that fascinates me. And I love that you like to go on hikes. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of the Camino de Santiago. It is actually something that I'm preparing for. It's a crazy long hike from the coast. Well, it starts at Pierre de Pie, which is um, the coast of France. Uh-huh. And you walk across the northern part of Spain until you hit a Portugal, like until you hit a part of Portugal, you'll go a little bit south, go to Portugal, and that's where it ends. It's supposed to be a crazy spiritual journey. I've been obsessed with it since um, I just had heard a lot of people within the community have walked it. And the reason it's supposed to be really spiritual and special mm-hmm. is because 
it is on what they say is a ley line. And so the energy is supposed to be very intense. A lot of uh, leaders throughout history, Napoleon has walked it a lot. Very interesting. Just people in our, in our history books have walked this uh, pilgrimage, I suppose. And Paulo Coelho, I don't know if you've ever read The Alchemist. Uh, no, no. Oh, that. Oh, you love that book. You have to read that book. So he, I mean, the alchemist is one of the, the greatest spiritual books of all time written in fiction. So you'd also probably really like it because he did, did something similar to what you've done. Um, but in any case, he's walked it as well. So it's, it's supposed to be a really cool spiritual journey where people have crazy revelations and, and crazy dreams as they're walking in. And it's supposed to be something you do alone. You're not supposed to do with anyone else you're supposed to and it's supposed to take about a month so anyways I bought this and it's I I need to do it soon before I have kids so it's in the works (laughs) now so you don't go with a group you're going to do it yourself and you camp out along the way or how Right. So essentially, yes, you can do it with a group, but the the point of doing it is to walk alone. So you can walk alone within the group. You're supposed to be silent, kind of similar to, you know, being in a monastery. You're supposed mm-hmm. to, you know, just be silent, be reflective. It's supposed to be a walk for yourself. And so, um, yeah, it's, you can do it with a group. I mean, I'm sure I will. I don't think it's very safe for <laughs> for a a woman in her 30s to just go walking in Spain on her own probably not the most safe right now with how the world is but um but yeah I I intend on doing I intend on doing it and I thought maybe it might pique your interest so do they have stops along the way like yes so I bought this book it's from moon I don't know Mm -hmm. uh, if that's the publishing house or whatnot but yes there's all kinds of different stops and things to look at along the way. I plan on reading this first and then kind of highlighting what interests me and and then going about doing Use your it. post-it notes. I love it. Yes, the pink ones. <laughs> Alrighty. So as you were talking, I pulled some cards for you. There was one in particular that very strongly wanted to come out and kept moving and I don't have any air around me. So I'm taking that as a huge sign. So we have the lady of the gift. Now I'll just also preface this with, this is the wisdom of the hidden realms cards by Colette Baron Reed. She's a Canadian like myself and I've seen her live and she's crazy psychic, like so cool. Um, and anyways, her cards are very cool and they are all written in a sort of mystical way. So the lady of the gift is what this card is called. So any thoughts, feelings, ideas, or sensations that come to you while I'm reading the little booklet description of what this card represents is relevant to what you need to know. Okay. So we have a beautiful girl for all my audio listeners. Uh, she's white. Uh, she kind of looks like a snow queen of some sort and she's blowing. It looks like magic into the air. And I can see that as you, you know, like you speaking such beautiful, powerful words, especially in this interview, you've, you know, bestowed a lot of wisdom upon us and we are entirely grateful. And so, um, I think that, that it's, it's going to represent something along that line. So we're going to go ahead and read what it means. What, are the, what does it say on the card? The three, is there? Yes, it says generosity and receiving. So the final word is withholding, but that is something else. So if the card had appeared upside down, it has a different meaning. So that's what the final word is, is, is for when it appears upside down. But yours came right side up. So it just means generosity and receiving. 
Okay. The lady of the gift brings a message of tithing. I can never say that word to be your ally. She requires you to look at the nature and method of your giving to others. The world is your church. Oh, so interesting. And you only need to distribute 10% of your wealth to others to ensure that the flow continues. Yet, this doesn't necessarily mean giving money away, nor does it imply a direct action of charity, even though the tradition of tithing is material. Is it tithing? Tithing? I've never heard that word before. I think, I think, but... I think? I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) In fact, the kind of... tithing here it is again the lady asks of you isn't tangible or material at all she's asking you to look at all human beings as important in the divine scheme of things and show others that you believe in them pay attention to how you treat people and be mindful of your perception even of seemingly poor strangers if you see others as successful and abundant and act as if you believe they have value blessings all around are assured Your belief in others has greater value than you could fathom. This alone guarantees your success long-term. Remember that you can only keep what you're willing to give. Wow, really interesting. I can't remember if I've ever pulled this card before because I just don't recognize this message, but interesting. That's really good. (laughs) Yes, I, um, I resonate with that a lot. Perfect. So that's all I need to hear. Um, you can tell us if you want, but I do have two other cards, so I'll read them first. And usually I only do one, but I'm just going with it because they flew out. So we have the resurrection card. It's the Phoenix. (laughs) Who doesn't like the Phoenix? Someone's resurrecting. (laughs) So the Phoenix appears as your ally to celebrate your journey and to ensure your ultimate success. Oh, that's nice. That's kind of what we're doing today. This is true. Even if it appears that you've just passed through a metamorphical experience of death or are currently on uh, sorry, or are currently enduring a perception of failure in your life. Death and rebirth are related when you enter the realm of the Phoenix. Seen in this light, nothing truly dies, but rather changes from one ending directly into new beginnings. The Phoenix is constantly reinventing itself and rises, a, rises up whole and new and even more powerful with every death it experiences. This could signal as an end of a relationship or a dynamic within one, or an end of a job, a project, or even a life. Perhaps no failure is involved, but it's time for a complete overhaul of your circumstances. You may be tired of what you're doing, or you may know intuitively that it's time to move on and try something new. Whatever the case, a death of the old and a celebration of new life are called for. Whatever you do now will indeed be a successful endeavor for a rebirth, for a rebirth is eminent. Cool. Nice. And then the eyes of the beauty. This is the final one. So have positive expectations, which is literally what the first card said. But I feel like spirit really wants you to know this message today. (laughs) All right. When the eyes of beauty show up as your ally, they require you to examine your perceptions. Same message as the other card. Do you see the world as perfect and beautiful? Can you retrace your steps from your past to now and see the perfection in the way reality has been created. Truly, perception is everything. A glass half empty is the same as a glass half full, yet so different according to how it's perceived. The eyes of beauty remind you that you that if you move forward with conviction, all is well now and always will be. You will see true pro- prosperity as a result. Expect to see beauty and you will attract your highest good. 
I oh. mean, those are some great messages, I think. Those are great. Yeah, I love that. I do feel like I've been straddling, as we've said, the scientific world and the spiritual world. And, um, you know, I, I would say I, I, my practice is going well, like I love it. Um, but I definitely have a passion, as you know, for the writing and the story. I feel like I'd love to do it kind of 50 50. And yeah, the book is like 10% now, right? So I would, and it's nice because I do feel like the message is, you know, connecting with some people, which is really cool. Um, and I've tried and it doesn't seem, you know, I'm in my little world of, of Richfield, Connecticut. So it's interesting to see if it gets out there, right? Yes, for sure. That's yeah. awesome. Well, I mean, just got to get some Google AdSense and it'll, <laughs> it'll get out there easily, I think. And hopefully with this, with this episode, people will see how awesome you are and um, we'll go ahead and buy it. Now, do you have a Kobo version or a Kindle version of this book? I meant to uh, Yeah. You. So it's on you Amazon. Do? There's a, a Kindle and a regular, um, um, what do you, um, I don't have an audible version yet. Do you think, is that worth it? I'm still, I mean, I'm an audible reader. Okay. <laughs> That's good to know. If you want to hire me, sure. Um, but yeah, it, it, it depends, honestly. Um, I mean, obviously, I think actually also you should get a guy for this because this is from a male's perspective. It, it would be kind yeah. of strange if a girl did it. But um, not that it would be strange. I need to use my words carefully. It wouldn't be strange. It would just be truer to the story. Anyways, um, yeah, it might it might be something to look into, but I, I would definitely... Um, say that the, I mean I, I love a good physical book that's how I am yeah. so and I think a lot of readers are like that as well so maybe you can just go ahead and uh, tell everyone where they can buy your book and where they can find you on you know social media because you said that you're on it so um go for it thank you yeah I want to tell you one last story before we wrap up if yes you um not at all that's the coolest part is um I feel like the book is connected to me with some really meet people you're obviously yourself included it's uh the first time I realized the power of a story and I know you know this from your podcast is um I had a reviewer and he just really got the book I thought wow this guy he talked about it being entertaining and enlightening and I was like that's exactly my message and I ended up um instant messaging him and he then called me I was like I'd love to chat with you and then he, all of a sudden, there's a call on my Facebook on my lunch break. And um, it was this black guy, well, from Africa. And he was dreadlocks. He was like smoking an e-cigarette. He was calling from the Philippines. Whoa. And like, he goes, I bet you didn't think I was your demographic, did you? And I said, absolutely not. <laughs> and uh, he's like, I loved your book. You know, I like the characters. And I said, this is the coolest experience. I didn't, he's like, I just, I connected with the spirituality and the story. I was like, I love that. And I said, your way with words were amazing. And um, it surprised me because you don't know who will connect with it or not. And same thing like you, it's really cool that you kind of, you actually highlighted my work. Like that's an honor for me. That's really cool. Oh, <laughs> well, you yeah. know, I, yeah. So I've had that similar experience with doing this show. And I think 
for that same reason, that is the reason why I continue to do this because it's so fun to connect with people around the world. You know, like I was such a huge fan of men are from Mars, women are from Venus. And then I got to actually have a conversation with John Gray. Like it was so awesome, you know, and then, you know, here through Renu, you, you know, connected with me and you sent me your book and I've read it. And, and now we're having this wonderful chat and you're in New York and I'm here and man, the internet is glorious. It is pretty cool. There are some benefits, right? There's a, a balancing act, right? If you yes. go the other way, it can be um, too much, but there are definitely some great benefits. Um, yeah. Yeah. This is an example. So as you said, it's uh, it's on Amazon. So you can just type in Journey of Ajubu. And then um, you can also, there's my website. So journeyofajubu.com, which has some kind of fun little things from the book, um, mm-hmm. some snippets and pop culture stuff. And uh, you can get it at like uh, Barnes and Nobles too, if you want to do more and local bookstores. Um, the, I think there is like a like local bookstore. I forget the, the name, the bookshop.com, but Amazon is, is fine. Yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Well, Blaine, this has been so, so fun. I feel like I've chatted your ear off. I just, I've loved speaking with you. Thank you so much for sending me your book and allowing me to go on that journey as well as thank you so much for chatting with me today. You've been a wonderful guest. Thank you, Melissa. I really enjoyed it. Keep doing what you're doing. It's great. You're really connecting people. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. What a fabulous episode, wasn't it? I really enjoyed this one. I really enjoyed talking to Blaine, so I hope you liked it as much as I did. If you are brand new listening to the Namaste podcast, then welcome to the fam. Nice to have you here. I have a Discord channel, which I'm going to leave the link to in the description box for this episode. Join on in. Be a part of the community. It's so, so fun. I love my Namaslayers, aka my dream team is what I call them. Just a fun community filled with goal-oriented, awesome, high-vibrational humans from all over the world. We got people from Germany, from America, from England, from everywhere. It's so, so fun. So join on in as well as don't forget, I'm going to be posting a new video every Friday at 3 p.m. on youtube.com slash Melissa Malati. Of course, this episode is going to be coming out on YouTube in video version as well. So just in case you liked it, you want to watch it again, watch it in video format. The video format is so much better. I was looking cute. Blaine looking cute. (laughs) Just love me. It was actually really great. So if that interests you, youtube.com slash Melissa Malati is where you can find my channel. Come and hang out, like, subscribe, all that jazz. Let's be friends. I would love that. Love you. Thank you for listening to this. Stay tuned for next week's episode with the fabulous, amazing John Gray himself, author of Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. It's going to be amazing. Check it out next week. Love you guys. Sending you so much love, light, and motivation to go and slay at your goals. And of course, sunshine vibes. Namaste. 